All right, it's been about uh, eight or nine weeks since our last Application Sunday, so we are taking a peek back at um, John chapter 13, 14, and 15. So uh, a lot of this has been Jesus's um, final instructions coming to his disciples as uh, the crucifixion looms in the near future, uh, literally hours prior to this crucifixion. Jesus is sharing this final teaching, trying to help his disciples understand what life is going to look like following him when he's not physically present. And they're not even fully aware of that, but he's trying to lay out some groundwork for what it looks like to follow him, how the Holy Spirit's going to come um, and be that support for them in his absence. All right, before we jump into it, though, I thought it would be maybe uh, helpful um, for us to just get some feedback from you, things that have stood out to you over the past eight, nine weeks from John chapter 13, 14, and 15. Things that you already kind of remember without me prompting you this morning, things that were already impactful for you before you hear them once again this morning. Uh, anything that, that maybe you would like to share from those three chapters before we jump back in um, and review them together. So any thoughts about that? I think the um, washing of the feet to be the servant, and I think it was in your sermon when I listened to it, it was about um, finding the jobs that nobody else wants to do and, and volunteering for those. Um, we've got some guy at our church, you know, that his job's locking the door. You know, it's, you don't have, it's not that important unless it doesn't get done. Right. There's no job too small in the kingdom. Yeah. I know it was brought up in our D group. We talked about when you mentioned, like, working hard, even when you're tired. Is that this part? Anyway. And uh, I think just as, as, especially even as moms, too, we can be, like, quicker or, like, shorter with our kids when we're tired, but still taking care of them well. Yeah. I think one thing for us that kind of stuck with me was the idea that you threw out about um, pruning versus, oh, yeah. like, discipline. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't necessarily like against like sinful actions, but more of um, careful pruning so that more good can come from you. Mm -hmm. I think it's been helpful. I think it was in John 14 we talked about uh, let your heart not be troubled. Um, that's something we've we've used a ton in our house, um, specifically with our kids and little things that they're allowing um, themselves to worry. So. I've gone over and over again with them that lesson of what it is. And, you know, there'll be times when I'll say, hey, you know, are you letting your heart be troubled? Because as a Christian, we're not to do that. Uh, and then sometimes there'll be a little smirk and, you know, be like, yep, yeah, Dad, you're right. That's what I'm doing right now. And then we'll pray through that. And it's been super, super helpful at our house for our kids. So that was, that was real good for us. <clears throat> um, I appreciated John 15, just um, what kind of fruit. Um, we should produce and what that looks like kind of going along with 14 and, and let not your heart be troubled and anxiety that I feel and in my abiding it kind of all obviously connects together but it's been a truth I've been sticking to my heart um, like am I abiding when I'm anxious and am I producing the fruit that uh, that's developing my character that's a reflection that I do know God's promises I'm believing what he says um but just, I think, abiding and what it means to abide in his word, especially during times of fear and conflict, and um, has been uh, a truth I keep returning to. 
All right, let's jump in um, and kind of recap some of these sermons, and we'll kind of do it like we did last time, where I'm just going to hit summary sentences, a couple of thoughts, and then at the very end, I'm going to give you four things to remember, four things that we should do uh, and make sure that we're doing as we leave this section behind. All right, so um, I think it was November 17th, we looked at serving like our master, where Jesus does come in and begin to wash the disciples' feet. We talked about Jesus providing an example of what it means to serve others humbly, calls us to follow him by finding ways to do the same. And so we talked that week about uh, no one's above serving. Um, Jesus is the master, um, and if he's willing to do it, that we're supposed to be willing to do it. So we all have to find ways to serve. No job is below me, meaning we should be the type of people who embrace the least desirable ways to serve, and no one is below being served by me. So even our enemies deserve our service as well because Jesus washes uh, Judas's feet. And so um, I know we've had discussion about opportunities, you know, that you probably have had in your home, in your workplace. Um, you know, but to be honest, this weekend at our retreat, we were even talking about just what we do for the city of Sonoy and, and whether there's any fruit that comes from that. But even as I was putting my notes back together this morning for Application Sunday, you know, it's a reminder to me that the jobs that we've tried to embrace even doing at those events are the jobs that nobody else wants to do, right? It's the ones that are least desirable. Maybe the, the least exposure comes from them as far as recognition. Um, but we talked a, as leadership that, um, and you guys aren't aware of this because it, it just happened recently, but the DDA that puts on the events reached out and wrote, our check, uh, wrote a check to our church for like $500 as a sign of appreciation, which obviously doesn't compensate for the amount of time and energy that we put into it, but they're also an organization that doesn't really have income coming in. So for them, it is an important piece of what they're trying to do that we're able to partner with them in that. And I think you guys need to know that their appreciation was shown to our church collectively uh, by them giving some money to us and saying, hey, we want you to keep doing this. We find it valuable that you guys are here. And um, it's a least desirable job you know, to, to just show up on a, on a holiday, potentially, Memorial Day, pick up stinky trash in, in the heat. Um, but, but even if that's all it ever is, you know, and we talked about trying to expand upon that and maybe making it a little bit more for our church. But even if it's only ever that, um, I think there's some, some worthiness to it. Just looking back on this sermon this morning, um, you know, I was just kind of reflecting upon that. You know, it's like, hey, we as a church probably need some opportunity to pick the least desirable jobs as we do this individually in our own context and settings. Um, so second sermon in John chapter 13, being known for our love, our identity is not tied to the evil done to us or the failures made by us, but instead rests in the love that Jesus has for us. And we show this true identity by the way we love others. And so we talked about Jesus and the evil that was going to be done to him by Judas. We talked about Peter and the failures that were coming very soon, when he's given opportunity to affirm his devotion to Jesus and he fails, we said those things don't have to define us. What people do to us doesn't define us and give us our identity. Um, the things that we fail to do don't have to be our identity either, right? That instead, what Jesus says about us, uh, the affirmation that he gives to us as creatures created in his image, that we have great value, we have great purpose because he says we do, not because of anything worthy of our own selves, but because Jesus has said that about us. And we show that identity with him, he says, by the way that we love others. And so um, 
the, the challenge that week was what does it look like for you intentionally to love people outside of our church? And what does it look like for you personally to love others inside our church, right? And so that's where we kind of said, hey, we've tried to structure some ways for you to show love. We've tried to structure some ways where we can be smaller than a Sunday morning setting where you can have some intentional people to love on in our church, in the C group setting, in the D group setting, individuals that you can try to faithfully serve, pour into, uh, and, and spur on to good works. And so um, challenged you to kind of think through how are you doing that faithfully within this local church context. We then talked about cures for a troubled heart. Uh, maturing faith in Jesus is the basis for preventing one's heart from being troubled, with our anxieties particularly dissipating as we recognize more clearly our secure future and our present purpose. And so this is where we transitioned into uh, chapter 14, and Jesus recognizing the things that he's saying are, are starting to trouble his disciples. He can probably see it written on their face as they're sitting there listening to the things that he's talking about. I mean, he says, hey, one of you is about to betray us, turn us in for some money. One of you is going to completely flop and, and deny me. And so there's a lot of anxiety that starts to build up here. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so he, he gives them this acknowledgement that he knows that there's anxious moments that are going to come our way. And that was one of the things that we pointed out, that as Christians, we should expect opportunities to be anxious. I mean, I mean the Bible promises trials and difficulties and potential sufferings, potential persecutions. doesn't guarantee that that's going to happen for everybody, but certainly... Uh, presents it in such a way that we shouldn't be surprised if those things happen. Um, so we know that, and we talked last week about that prosperity gospel, that man, we're not guaranteed that things go our way exactly the way we want them to by following Jesus, that being in the center of God's will is not always the safest place, but it is the best place to be. Um, and so we said that we need to expect anxious moments, that we should be prepared for them, but we should be prepared to handle them differently than by just being anxious in them, right? And so we said that expect them, but don't settle for anxiousness when those moments come. Be ready to attack the anxiety, particularly with believing in Christ, that faith piece, and then the future piece of knowing what is to come down the road, right? The, the promise in Romans eight twenty eight that all of our circumstances and settings in life are gonna be used for good. That's the immediate hope but then even the future hope of glory that Christ is coming back, he is going to rule and to reign, he's going to deal with all the injustices in the world that we don't have to worry about uh, those being forgotten about, right? And so Jesus tells them when you're, when you're feeling anxious, right, that there's this idea of us reminding ourselves to trust in him, to trust in his promises, to trust in his goodness, and to trust in the future that he's already told us about. So believing faith now and uh, believing in our secure future are the antidotes for anxiety. And then he talks about doing great works now, that if we're not careful, we'll become so anxious that we, we kind of lose sight of the fact that we have a purpose here. And, and part of how we battle the anxiety is embracing the purpose um, that we have, right? Verse 12 of chapter 14, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, 
and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. All right, and so he, we talked about what that meant, right? How do we possibly do something better than Jesus, right? And so we talked about the, the bigger scope that Jesus' ministry was confined to a, to a small area, but now as his disciples, we take it to the ends of the earth, right? And so we talked about him working physical miracles, and, and, then, and now we are, we are seeing uh, spiritual miracles happening in the lives of people, right? And so we talked about what it meant to, to do some things greater than Jesus. It obviously doesn't put us higher than Jesus or even our works as being really better than Jesus, but just different, and he's designed it that way. And so doing great works now helps us push back against the anxiety too. And so I challenged you to identify ways that Scripture speaks to your particular anxieties, right? Battling whatever it is that worries you most with Scripture, believing, trusting Jesus, because that's the antidote that he gives us. Um, And then also reminding yourself that you need to know about the future. Jesus has said a lot about the future in his word. Those are the things that we have to know. A lot of question marks still about the future, but we can't be unsure of the things that are clearly revealed. Um, and so it's a good reminder for us that, hey, we've moved past Revelation. We've done First and Second Thessalonians. Those are the big, heavy uh, eschatology books. And if you weren't here for it, we've got it all archived for you. You can go back and listen to all of it again. If you were here for it, it's still archived for you. You can go back and listen to it all again. But we need those re- regular reminders if you're one that's prone to hear it in Revelation and then not think about it again to come back to it because Jesus says, hey, part of the ways that we don't stay anxious is that we think about our future. We know our future, okay? Troubled heart, fearful heart, we see also in uh, chapter 14. That maturing love for Jesus, it's the basis for growing in our obedience to him, allowing our fears to be turned into a mindset of peace as we enjoy deepening intimacy with him with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the passage where we talked about being assured of your salvation, right? Not lingering in a state where you're unsure, not sure, sometimes sure, a little bit sure, and then other days fully sure. That that there needs to be an understanding of what Scripture says about your salvation, that you need to feel that intimacy because you see it in Scripture, what the gospel says, and you know that you have responded to it, right? So being assured of your salvation, um, and we saw that, Our obedience is an indicator of of whether we've been saved or not, right? So we can look at our life and see the fruit. First John tells us to do that. Um, We look for his active presence in our life. Um, Is he working and moving and doing things in our life? That gives us assurance that Jesus um, has saved us. And then even the anticipation that's growing and building inside of us where we want to be uh, with Jesus too. And so those are indicators to us if we have salvation or not. Then we talked about relying on the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit's going to come, and Jesus says the Holy Spirit's going to give you clarity. He's going to remind you of things that you forget about. He's going to bring truth to you when you don't know what truth is and and what error is. Um, So we kind of saw the Holy Spirit being the the, the part of the Trinity that, 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 that brings the troubled heart to Scripture and then applies Scripture's comfort to the troubled heart, right? Um, and then we talked about finding peace in his sovereign uh, control that evil has no influence over him. So seeing that in John chapter 14, let's see here, verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He goes on to say in verse 23, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My Father will love him. He will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I'll no longer talk much with you, for the rule of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And so even that that back part of chapter 14, we talked about Jesus being completely in control, right? He acknowledges that Judas has gone to get the enemy. The enemy is coming. The ruler of this world is coming to take me. Jesus says, he has no claim on me. I'm being obedient to the Father. I'm not being influenced by evil or affected by evil. And he says, speaking of which, let's get up and let's go, let's go meet that evil head on, right? Let's rise. Let's go from here. Not run from here. Let's go and meet the ruler of this world, where he is headed right now. That brought us to um, looking at the passage in Isaiah. Um, So we had looked at it in our D groups, felt like it would be helpful to clarify some things um, on a Sunday morning. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. They are glad when they divide the spoil. We talked about the the plenty and the victory that comes when following Jesus, right? Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We talked about the uncertainty and the turmoil uh, in in the midst of the Israelites at this time. We saw that, um, that, that gloom that the chapter leads with can be turned to glory, right? When we are willing to connect the fact that our gloom is due to our sin, and that belief in Jesus is our only source of salvation. So Israel had gotten into sin. It had led to the gloom and the judgment and the, the disconnect from God. And, and now they're able to be brought back. There's this promise that the gloom's going to go away, that the child is going to come and, and be everything that Israel needs, uh, needs of him. And, and Christ certainly is that. And so we saw about repenting of our sins, following the light, trusting Jesus as the better ruler, that the zeal of God gives us assurance because it says, Verse 7, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And we certainly see the zeal of Jesus at the end of chapter 14, where he says, I'm, I'm obeying my Father. We are going to go head, uh, head on with the evil that's coming 
because I want the world to see that I love my Father, and I'm going to obey him and go to the cross. All right? Um, That led us into John chapter 15, the last chapter that we've looked at. We saw particularly the aspect of this true joy that can come to us by abiding in Christ. And so we said true Christians abide in Christ by knowing and responding to his word, which allows them to produce increasing fruit and experience lasting joy. We talked about what it means to abide in Christ, right? We tied it into the fact that it means we are knowing his word. It means that we are responding to his word. It means that we are clinging to his word. It means that ultimately everything that we do gets filtered through what God's word says we should be doing. Um, that, that we're allowing God's word to shape and mold our decision-making. We're, we're looking for it for wisdom. We're looking to it for guidance. That we're following the shepherd, the great shepherd, through his instructions in the word. Right? And so we abide in him by abiding in his word. Um, how do we know that we're abiding in Christ? And that's where we talked about some indicators that, one, we should be f- producing fruit. We talked about the different kinds of fruit. Two, we should experience some pruning. There should be some times where, where our dreams and hopes and plans don't come to fruition um, because we're not all wise. And when they don't come to fruition and there's some pruning that takes place where maybe God takes something from us that has been very important to us or redirects us in a direction that we never intended to go, that we see that pruning as opportunity, like, like Topi was saying, opportunities for more fruit to come, that, that he's cutting away unnecessary things to make way for the things that he wants in our life. Um, Answered prayers is an indicator to us that we're abiding in Christ, that we're in tune with the will of God because we're seeing it in his word. The word is actually driving our prayer life, right? So as Christians, we don't come to God and just bring him our wish list, right? We don't just make a Christmas list for him and say, here's what what I want this year, right? That, That we're reading in his word what his will is for us, right? That that he desires our sanctification. And so our prayer life is really driven by his word, and we see answered prayers because we're praying God's will for our life. Obviously, we would see movement in that direction. And so answered prayers are an indicator to us that we are abiding in Christ. Um, Our desire to serve others, the joy that we experience when we do those things, these are all indicators to us that we're abiding in Christ. He says, I'm the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Right? Jesus is being the great example, passage after passage here, um, about what it looks like to abide in God. Um, a couple of weeks ago now, we looked at our goals for 2020. And so uh, we kind of stepped away from John briefly, looked at that resolve for good in 2020, that in order to produce lasting fruit in 2020, we must resolve to do good by making intentional plans to grow in our faith in God and in our love towards each other. So kind of tied it in with everything we've been seeing in the Gospel of John, but just stepped away briefly to look at what God says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, that idea of resolving for good. I told you 
to kind of think through a couple of things this year in relationship to what we've been learning in John. When you think about what you want 2020 to be, I told you that we need to resolve to be untroubled this year, that what we've seen about anxiety, we need to take some serious steps in our life to to commit to soothing our hearts with Scripture this year, um, that this should be a year where we're, we're, we're discontent to be anxious. We're not going to allow anxiety to dominate us. We're not going to allow anxiety to settle in, right? We want those clouds of darkness to just keep on moving through our life, right? We want that front to just keep on moving, to not settle in and, and be this darkness over us. Sometimes in the summertime, you look at the weather, you're trying to anticipate, like, what are we doing today? And you see this, this system that's coming, right? And you kind of chart it, and it's like, oh, that thing's going to move right through, right? It's going to come in, maybe rain just a little bit, and then, boom, it's going to be out of the way, and we can get back to our summer activities. And there's other times you look at the weather report, and it's like, hey, there's this little system coming in, right? That'll probably just pass on through. And then you, you click, like, forward, and then it just, like, just, like, consumes the screen, and you're like, we're not going to the pool today right? Like probably an indoor day at the beach because whatever reason, like the system just kind of settles in and it's like, it's going to rain most of the day today. Think about that in terms of how anxiety comes. There's going to be anxious moments. There's going to be these times where these systems come in and it's going to dump a little bit of rain in our life. And we're going to say, you know what? Keep on moving because I'm clinging to scripture in the midst of that. Not that our circumstances will necessarily just pass on through and get better, but the anxiety piece doesn't have to linger, right? Otherwise, we, we, we allow the anxiousness to stay, and that system just kind of grows and magnifies and settles in, and rain just continues to dump, right? Resolve to not be anxious this year. Uh, resolve to be prayerful this year. Be intentional to make requests according to his will. Resolve to serve this year. Seek to find the jobs that nobody wants to do and do them, whether that's at home, whether that's at, in your workplace, whether that's here at our church, right? Look for ways to serve, ways that maybe nobody else is thinking about doing. Uh, resolve to love. Prioritize, way, prioritize ways to love others in our church, either through the provided structures that we've given you or outside those provided structures, right? If your schedule doesn't allow you to be a part of some of the things that we do here, create some other ways for you to be an active, loving presence in our church. Having people over to your house, inviting people out to do things with you based on when your schedule works, right? And then uh, last week we looked at handling the world's hatred. Jesus warns his followers that the world will respond to their love, obedience, and resulting joy with hatred, with that hatred being extreme at times. Challenges his followers to endure the hatred rather than fall away because of it. We saw last week that persecution makes sense. Um, Jesus was persecuted, and now we're saying that we're followers of him. We should expect to be hated in return for that. But when that hatred comes, we're, we're called to keep being faithful with the gospel, um, to, to stay true to the commission, to keep moving forward and not allow the persecution to quiet us, to endure in response to the warning, to not fall away. Application last week, I said, is there any any particular persecution that you're currently experiencing, and are you responding with joy and endurance appropriately? I also challenged you last week to assess yourself and, and if there's a lack of persecution in your life, right? Like you don't feel like there's ever any kickback about your faith. Are you conforming in your life in such a way that gives the world reason to love you rather than hate you? 
Does the world feel like you're part of them, part of its team versus a follower of Christ based on what it sees from your attitude and actions? Um, and then lastly, I challenged you, do you have adequate knowledge of the Bible's teachings on per- persecution that you can recall it in a moment's notice when experiencing it? Because Jesus says, I'm telling you this stuff, I want you to understand what I'm saying about persecution so that when it comes, you are enduring it versus falling away because of it. And so there's this need to have a good foundation about what the Bible says about persecution so that when it comes, we respond appropriately. Okay, so that's a quick overview of of the last eight or nine sermons there. Um, I want to give you, again, just four things to remember from all of that. Um, and then four things that we want to try to do in response to it. All right, so number one, uh, remember that serving others and loving others are things we're to be known for. Um, it's, it's just what we're to be known for. It's to be our reputation as individuals and as a church. Um, and I think that's something that we talked about a lot as leadership this weekend is, are we known for some of these things? If we're not, how can we become known for some of these things? How can we be strategic in creating ways for us to serve together as a church family more, to, to love each other better as a church family more, um, as an extension of us doing that individually, right? So there's a lot of things that we need to do individually as Christians, but we gather as a local church so we can do that kind of stuff together as well. Um, so I think remembering that serving others, loving others, this is what should come to mind about us when people think about us, certainly within this church, but then even outside this church, family members, friends, co-workers, you should be known as somebody who serves and loves, sees opportunities, takes advantage of those kind of opportunities. All right, number two, uh, trouble and fear will come our way, but we aren't supposed to settle for them. All right, that we're going to have opportunities to be really anxious and to be really fearful, We'll never have an absence of those type of circumstances. They're going to keep coming, right? Those systems will keep coming, and we're not allowed to settle for them, not if we're being obedient. We can't be obedient and settle for anxiousness and fear. There's just too many times in Scripture where we're told not to be those things. Don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. Um, And it's always tied to if you're in the Word, if you're clinging to the Word, believing the Word, not doubting the Word, you will find the hope that you need to get out of those anxious, fearful moments, right? So trouble and fear are going to come our way, but we aren't supposed to settle for them. Number three, we thrive by abiding in him, right? We are our most healthy as Christians when we are abiding in Jesus. There's less worry in our life, and there is more fruit in our life when we're abiding in Christ, Um, And if you start to see an increase in worry and a decrease in fruit, it's most likely tied to your time in the Word. And if your time in the Word hasn't decreased, your response to the Word during your time has altered then. right? You can't be believing the Word and have your anxiety increasing and having your fear increasing. They just don't go hand in hand. right? And we talked about the fact that there's some cases where, where there may be some additional need beyond God's word to see that anxiety adjusted, right? But it starts by far with God's word being clung to, trusted and believed in, all right? And then the last thing that I want you to remember, hard times are coming, so we need to prepare to endure, right? 
again, Jesus is saying, this is what life is like when I'm gone and I'm not here. And you have the Holy Spirit and you're supposed to follow me on a daily basis without being able to follow me physically on a daily basis. Serve others, love others faithfully. Don't allow trouble and fear to, to be what you're okay with. Um, abide in him. It's the best way to be thriving as a Christian. And when those hard times come, be ready to endure. All right? So what do we do with that? If we're remembering those things, what's the application uh, for today for our application Sunday? Number one, identify who you want to serve this year and how. All right? You as an individual need to think through, who do I want to serve? Who does our family want to serve? And how are we going to do that this year? All right? We're thinking through that as a church, too, as leadership. How do we want to serve better this year? How do we want to be more intentional with our service this year? So we're going to try to give you more structured opportunities to do this collectively, but it's not a substitute or replacement for what you're supposed to do individually either, right? And what would be fantastic is if you are serving people individually and then calling upon us to partner with you as an extension to then come in and help serve that individual or that family or that situation alongside of you, right? Um, probably a lot more buy-in when we're serving people that we are connected to um, versus just random situations that we maybe go try to find, right? So who are you going to serve? How are you going to do that this year? Number two, be intentional to let your fears and anxieties be shaped by Scripture, right? You've heard that message all day again today. Um, It's got to happen where you are, again, not just blanketly saying, oh, I'm feeling anxious, let me just go to Scripture, but really identifying what is it that makes you feel anxious, what is it that's causing the anxiety, and what does Scripture have to say about it? And, and here's the newsflash, is that you may have to ask somebody else for help in that, right? You may have to go ask another believer that, that possesses wisdom about Scripture to say, can you help me identify what, 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 is, what is the source of my anxiety? Can you help me find in Scripture right? How to address that. Nobody's expecting you to do that on your own, right? We are a, we are a, a, um, a, a resource system here. As, as we're growing and being sanctified, we are, we are able to rely upon each other so that we can have good works stirred up in us. And a good work would certainly be releasing our anxiety and increasing our trust. And when we don't know how to do that, we need to find somebody who can help us figure that out, right? Number three, Pray specifically this year with expectations of answers. We've seen that if we're truly abiding in Christ, we can pray confidently and expect answers to those prayers. So let me challenge you this year. Um, as you continue to, to look at your goals, tweak your goals, be intentional to have specific prayer times this year for specific things that are flowing from what you're seeing in Scripture and believe that those things are going to be answered. And so then number four remind yourself regularly of the goals that you've set and work out your salvation faithfully. We talked a lot about our goals being tied to Scripture, our goals being tied to God receiving glory. Those are things that we need to keep going back to. We've had our D group time to look at it. We'll have C group time this week to kind of wrap that discussion up. Um, But as we move forward, I mean, January's almost gone. I mean, won't be long and it'll be February. <laughs> we'll be um, a twelfth of the way through this year. Um, keep going back to those goals. Keep looking at 
what it is you want to be intentional with in your own personal growth this year. It's God's will for your sanctification. Um, and then he calls you to work it out, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So let me encourage you um, to do that. All right, so four things to remember, four things to do. Um, as we've started doing on Application Sunday, we want to kind of update some action plans for our goals that we have in the back. And, and really, these are going to be simply um, updates in regards to how to specifically be praying right now. So not, not a lot of specific actions to take right now, um, but coming out of our leadership retreat, uh, I was just kind of looking back over some things this morning. Here's some specific things that, that we would want you to be in prayer about as members of this church um, and, and, and how they relate to the goals that we're trying to accomplish as a church. All right, so number one, that idea of local service, finding who we're going to serve within this uh, community and how we're going to do that. Uh, be in prayer for our elders and our deacons as we look at some new potential partners for serving our community. We discussed some, <clears throat> some things this, this, this retreat, uh, things that maybe we can look at doing this year. We're, we're kind of sorting through that, figuring that out. Um, so just be in prayer for us as elders and deacons. We want to make sure that we're helping lead you uh, in a way where we can be known for serving and loving. Um, I, I don't want that to be a, an absent part of our reputation. I don't want to be known as the, the really theologically sound church, the, um, the, the, the church that preaches verse by verse, the, the church that does this, the church that does this. I don't want to be known for a bunch of other things besides serving and loving. Um, I certainly want to be known for all the things that I just mentioned, um, but I want serving and loving to be a big part of who we are too. So be in prayer for us as elders and deacons as we think through some potential partners for how to help serve this community. Um, in regards to leadership within this church, be in prayer for uh, additional discussion group leaders and some different people who can help coordinate some different areas in our church. Be praying for people to be willing to serve in those capacities. Um, we talked about some different people that we want to talk to to see if they'd be willing to embrace some of these roles. Um, we're still praying through some of that because uh, we, we aren't quite sure who can do some certain roles that we want to see fulfilled in our church. And so as we look long-term to elders and deacons, we're kind of thinking uh, on a smaller scale, just having some people handling some specific things for us that I think would move our church forward uh, in being a strong presence in this community, being a welcoming place for those that come and visit with us. So just be in prayer for uh, discussion group leaders and area coordinators that would be willing to serve uh, within our church. <clears throat> when it comes to growing our membership, number three, embrace your new C group members with love and hospi hospitality, right? So uh, recently we've added some new people to your C groups. Um, so there's some uh, new uh, new people that are joining and, and this will be our first time gathering as a C group. So you, you probably experienced some new people in your D group. You'll now kind of see that in our C group gathering uh, this Wednesday. Let me encourage you to embrace the new members, both the new people that are coming into that group Embrace the new people that are now part of your group. Serve them, love them, get to know them, all right? Those that have already been in the C group, as new people are coming into your group, be ready to embrace them, serve them, and love them, right? We want to see further connection, further unity. Um, there's now more opportunity for people to use for you to serve within those groups. And so let me encourage you to embrace your new C group members. We've got people who are visiting our church right now that are 
in the membership process, haven't completed the membership process, but you've started to know that they're a frequent visitor of your group, right? It's probably the group they're, they're going to end up in. So let me encourage you to embrace not just the members, but the visitors that are in your group as well, right? We want them to get acclimated, to feel a part of this community, and to really be accepted within this community. Number four, when we think in terms of planting as we continue to grow and expand, what does that look like, right? We've talked a lot, and I told you our big goal this year was to really start to, to, to throw around ideas for how this would work. We, we've talked about a lot of things that aren't going to work, right? Um, which is great because we're just kind of talking about it and, and moving on and saying, nope, that's not going to be the plan. Nope, that's not going to work. That's not it, right? Um, one thing that we talked about, again, this retreat is that as we stay in this setting, right? Our cost continues to go up because that's how our landlord makes money. Um, he raises the cost of rent. And so we're, we're trying to be forward thinkers about what that looks like in three years. We just signed a three-year lease, so we know what the cost is for the next three years. But what happens three years down the road? We can't start talking about that three years down the road, right? So be in prayer for our deacons as they begin to explore alternate meeting locations over the next three years. If we need to move out of this space and find something that's going to be more affordable that would allow people to potentially move from our church to go plant another church, then we want to find that alternate location if it's out there. God may want us to stay right here for the next 25 years. Um, he may be okay with us continuing to use the money that he blessed us with to pay for a facility like this, right? But God may have something different in store for us, and we want to be open to that. And so the elders have asked the deacons to be looking for eliminating the things that aren't going to work, right? And, and to see if there's anything out there that would be a better fit for our church locationally here in Sonoy. So we're not looking to, to move out of this area, but we are trying to assess, is this the best use of our money or is there somewhere else that we can meet, accomplish everything that we're accomplishing and, and save some money in the process that would allow us to do more down the road. So be in prayer for our deacons as they begin to explore uh, anything alternate to where we're currently meeting. And then lastly, uh, number five, be in prayer from the mission standpoint. We have committed to giving to the Folkers and the McMurray family. Um, both are currently on the field right now. So the McMurrays have moved. They are in Nepal. Um, be in prayer for them. And then continue to be in prayer for Snowbird, right? So uh, be in prayer for Rob and um, Sean and Spencer and their families. Be in prayer for Connor as he continues to serve um, up there, and then be in prayer for the Long family as they get ready to move and, and are going to be up in Andrews and, and are going to be a part of that church and, and are going to be praying about how, um, how, do, how does God want them to be used in that community and how does God want them to be used in that ministry, right? Right now, the plan is for them to go, and, and today's their last Sunday, and so we're going to pray over, him, over them here at the very end. Um, but the plan is for them to move and to go, and they're going to close on their house on Friday, Lord willing, if everything fall, you know, falls into place, and, and they're going to be moving next weekend. And um, the plan is for Adam to get a job up there and for them to kind of jump into that community up there and to, and to see what happens as far as uh, further ways for them to serve with Snowbird. But I'm excited. I'm excited for them. I'm excited about what it's going to be like to go and, you know, to go up there in the summertime or for some of you that go up there for men's retreats and the women's retreats to, to know that the longs are going to be up there waiting right, to hang out and to see us, and we'll be able to, you know, hang out with them while we're up there, and, and obviously they've got family here, and so they'll be back down um, to visit, I'm sure, frequently as well, but I'm just excited about another piece of our heart being up there 
with Snowbird. And so Snowbird's an important part of our church and what we've done. Um, they've been so instrumental in helping us from the very beginning. And now we're going to have um, not just Connor, but the rest of the family up there um, kind of serving and working. So excited about that um, as well. So again, told you, not a lot of action items as far as do things with your hands right now with our goals, but a lot of things that we want to be praying for as a church family as we continue to move our church forward. Um, praying that we can find some ways to serve in this local community because we've hit some dead ends. We've tried some things that didn't work. Um, we want to continue to figure some of that out. Pray for some, some additional leadership to be raised up in our church, not particularly elders and deacons, but just some people that would be willing to serve in the capacity of discussion group leader. But then there's some other ways that we're going to be making available to you um, to serve as well. And so we want some people to fill those roles. And um, you'll hear more about that maybe even this week. Um, about things that you could potentially do. Uh, growing in our membership, that means embracing the people that are already here, um, doing that specifically in your C group. Praying for our deacons as they begin to explore what's going to happen in three years when our lease is back up again. Um, and then number five, praying for the current people that we're supporting um, on the mission field. Um, and we're going to be updating you specifically on how to do that. Um, and so we're going to uh, be asking somebody to serve in the capacity of regularly updating us on what's going on with the Folkers, what's going on with the McMurrays, what's going on at Snowbird, so that you know specifically how to pray. Okay? Um, we're going to transition into taking the Lord's Supper, as we always do. We're going to do that together, and then in closing today, we're going to have a special prayer time over the Long family. But the reason we do the Lord's Supper on this day um, is because it is an act of application for us because what we're saying is, is that we're still, we're still wanting to abide in Christ, that, that Christ is still our source of salvation. And so we recap what we've seen in the Word, and then we, we make a public declaration once again of saying that the, the blood of Christ is what I'm clinging to as the forgiveness of my sins, the life of Christ, the bread is what I'm clinging to for my righteousness, that he's perfect when I'm not. I'm certainly not perfect, and he's made that okay through his blood. He has forgiven me, and then he has applied the righteousness to me. We're, we're clothed in the right clothing, right? And, and we get to stand before him now, um, despite our failures, despite our, mis, uh, our shortcomings and our, and our missteps. And so I want to encourage you to, to pray with me, um, and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. This in no way saves you enhances your salvation or, or, or makes you a better Christian per se, um, it, it's a way for you to once again publicly declare that you're a Christian. Um, it serves as an encouragement to us uh, when we do that. Um, and so we want to invite you to partake. Whether you're a member or not a member, we're going to encourage you to partake in the back. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that we can gather and that we can particularly gather um, because of the gospel, uh, because Jesus came to to live a perfect life, took on uh, the form of a man so that he could be that perfect high priest for us, one who can sympathize with us because he has experienced the temptations that we've experienced, um, one who can uh, completely know and understand us because he's, he's come and become a human. Um, and God, we thank you that you sent your son to do that. We thank you that it paved the way for salvation to be possible. We thank you that um, his sacrifice uh, now enables us to uh, escape your wrath. And uh, God, we're thankful that uh, it, it wasn't just his blood, but his perfect life that enables us to, 
to stand with confidence today knowing that we've been forgiven and set free because not only have our sins been washed away, they've been replaced by the righteousness of Christ. And so now we stand clothed um, in those white garments. And uh, we thank you for that today. And uh, God, as we, we take some time to reflect right now, um, God, I pray that you would make us aware of sins that need to be confessed, that maybe we've been harboring or hanging on to. Um, God, I pray that you would draw that to our attention, that we can confess that, turn from it. Um, God, we, d- we certainly don't want to be conformed to the things of this world. Instead, we want to be transformed uh, by the renewing of our mind. And so we thank you for your word and how it renews our mind. And um, God, help us to be faithful to apply the things that we've heard this morning. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated for just a minute. I'm going to ask Tiffany and Adam and Juju to come up front. I think it was back in July they pulled me outside. Um, um, and just started talking to me about um, a conversation that they had had with Brody about the future of Snowbird and um, how they could potentially be a part of that. And um, I remember feeling like Kevin Costner's character in Field of Dreams where at the very end of the movie, um, the dead baseball players are like, hey, James Earl Jones, do you want to go into the field with us? And Kevin Carson is like, man, I want to go do that, right? And so I remember talking to him and just being so excited for them um, because it's the type of thing that, that I would want to do too, to go be a part of that ministry. When we, um, when we planted our church or started talking about planting our church, there were... Um, a group of families that were in between churches that we reached out to and said, you know, if we're going to do this, we'd love for you guys to be a part of it. And the Longs were one of those families. And so they've been with us for the last nine years. Been driving from Griffin the whole time, right? We had conversations about whether that was going to be doable for their family. And, um, you know, they committed to that. And they've they've honored that commitment over the years. And um, just super thankful for everything you guys have meant to our church. Um, thankful that... This really doesn't feel like a goodbye because we're so tied in with what Snowbird is doing that we feel like we're going to be able to see you guys frequently and um, continue to be able to love you guys from a distance. And so, but we do want to pray over you um, before you leave today. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to let you guys sit down right here. And then if those that want to, that want to come and put their hands upon them as we pray over them. God, we love you, and we thank you for um, just the Long family and what they've meant to our church over the years. We thank you that this church has been able to be a presence in their life, um, a church that's made up with so many different individuals that have been able to pour into them and serve them in different capacities over the years. I thank you for 
uh, so many that have been willing to love on them and embrace them. Um, Lord, we thank you for what they've contributed to our church as well over the years. I thank you for the encouragement they've been to me since day one. Um, Thank you for allowing our past to cross so many years ago at Mount Gilead when they were visiting around looking for a church. Um, Thank you that it was at the exact same time when we were looking to do um, this church plant and and allowing them to be a part of it. Um, Lord, I thank you that um, they've been able to see your faithfulness over the years in, in just ways that you've taken care of their family. Thank you that we've been able to see your faithfulness over the years in how you've taken care of this family. And um, Lord, I thank you that they're uh, being sensitive to things that you placed upon their heart this summer. Um, thank you that um, you're calling them uh, to, a, to a change in their life and that they're willing to make that change despite the challenges and difficulties and uncertainties and fears that that brings with it. Um, but Lord, I pray that as they transition to Andrews, uh, we know that doors have just continued to open and, and that's further confirmation that they're doing the right thing. Um, God, we pray that you would allow them to acclimate quickly to the community there at Red Oak. Uh, we pray for the pastors and the, the leadership there that, um, God, they would be able to uh, help um, smooth this transition out. Um, God, I pray that you would build new friendships and relationships quickly. Um, Lord, we pray that you would provide a, uh, a job for Adam uh, that will help care for the family. Um, Lord, we pray that um, ultimately you would allow them to use the gifts and abilities both in Red Oak and at Snowbird in ways that you see fit. Pray that you'd help them to see clearly how they can do that once they're there. Lord, we pray that you would continue to wrap things up here as they look towards closing on their house on Friday, getting things packed up and moved in and settled in over the weekend, um, that all those things would come about um, according to your plan too. And uh, Father, we pray that you would continue to uh, be with Juju and Connor. Um, Lord, I pray that relationships that are formed in Andrews will um, carry on things that have been done here. Um, God, I pray that you would continue to give Adam wisdom in, in leading his family there. Um, and God, I pray that we would uh, continue to be able to love them from, from a distance. And uh, God, that you would keep our friendships maintained, um, that we'd be able to visit frequently up there and um, be reunited and, and to be able to love on them there too. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.